Today's scripture reading is not from Colossians 3. <laughs> I've always wanted to say that. That's not true. Actually, it has been changed to Luke 17, 11 through 19. I'm going to read that for you. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. So ends the reading. Thanks be to God. Thanks to Chris for his flexibility today. We uh, had to print our bulletins on Wednesday because we were anticipating our power outage on Thursday. And indeed, so things got done a little bit sooner and we didn't quite get all the details right. So thank you. <laughs> Let's pray. Oh God, we thank you for your word to us in scripture, for your word that lives within us and between us. And I pray that the meditation of, or the, the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. Oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. One of my dearest friends uh, named Gwen, she uh, lives in Scotland. I met her when I was in Hungary uh, in the 1990s. And Gwen went back to Scotland and got a PhD in uh, Christian spirituality. And her degree and her dissertation was on women's spirituality and examining the spirituality of women in the church, particularly the evangelical church in Scotland. And what she discovered in her research was that there was many women in the church who, who had kind of taken their own journey and actually would go to church and were doing all the things they were supposed to do, the ladies' teas and the Bible studies and listening to the sermon and providing the casseroles or whatever you call them in Scotland. Um, and, and yet their, their souls were not being met in the programs of the church, that actually they weren't finding what they needed to continue on in their spiritual journey, and that they had in some ways grown and outgrown the, the confines of the church. And so she began these interviews, um, all done confidentially, of course, and, and discovered this was a common experience for many women. And as she asked these questions about why that might be, they discovered it was things like, well, I'm not sure I really believe all the dogma of the church anymore, or there's so much focus on having to be a certain kind of person or to be in certain kind of roles. And, and they had outgrown that in many ways in their own spiritual journey. 
And so really good questions about what does it mean to be a faith community together? What does it mean to, to be together in such a way that we can sustain our spiritual journeys over the long haul of our lives as we change emotionally and spiritually and even physically? What does it mean to be community together? This core value, it's the last one that we're going to look at, um, our last core value as we've been moving through these this fall, says this, like the redwoods, supporting one another through the seasons of life, we become rooted in a trusting, loving community. We have this uh, wonderful story from the Gospel of Luke. Uh, the story of ten lepers who call out to Jesus to be healed, and Jesus uh, heals all of them, and then as they go and tells them, go and see the priest, and as they're going, they look down and realize they'd been healed, and just one out of the ten comes back to say thank you. So not a, not a great ratio, one out of ten, um, in the gratitude, uh, gratitude category for this. But when, it, when I look at this story, I say I relate to the nine out of the ten. You know, they're doing what they were told to do. They were told to go and show the, themselves to the priest. So they were going to do that. They probably had family that they wanted to reconnect with because when you have leprosy in this culture, you were completely ostracized from your family and your friends. So it makes sense that, that they would just go on their way and do what Jesus actually told them to do. But this guy was the outlier, the Samaritan. Now, to be a Samaritan in this time was to be from a place that worshipped in the wrong way, according to Judaism, that was from a different region of the country. They were kind of seen as a little bit uh, snooty. Um, because of the history of Israel and Judah, their capital had not been Jerusalem, so they were not... Their worshiping life did not revolve around the temple. It was, um, had become also more mixed with other religions. And so they were seen as, as outsiders to the traditional Judaism. And yet Jesus points out that it is the Samaritan among them. We don't know if he was the only Samaritan, but it kind of implies that in the story. This was the one that came back to say thank you. I wonder why he did that. Perhaps his, his uh, identity as an outsider had made him a little more sensitive than the rest. Perhaps he didn't have family to go back to right away. Perhaps he was just a little less compliant than everybody else, and instead of doing what Jesus said he should do, he came back. His journey was not the typical one, we know that for sure. And I think in the Samaritan, we can all see ourselves in some ways. Because at some point, our journeys veer off the path of what we were anticipating. At some point, we all find ourselves to be the outsiders. At some point, we are not what we expected or others expected of us in terms of the events of our life, maybe our age, our questions, our crises. And sometimes we find ourselves on the outside of the spiritual community. And we're going to talk about this actually quite a bit more next week in next week's sermon, but I just wanted to note that there's sometimes that we feel outside of spiritual communities. 
And yet the gifts that that gives a Samaritan is this capacity to notice, to come back, to say thank you. And Jesus, Jesus sees the Samaritan's difference. Jesus isn't being colorblind. Jesus isn't being afraid or, or nervous about naming the difference. Instead, Jesus celebrates it in some ways. Like, hey, look, there's this guy who isn't even a part of you, who isn't even the one that, that you're supposed to follow or listen to or understand. That's the one that came back to say thank you. Jesus honors and seems to even respect the difference. Jesus acknowledges that faith and the courage to be grateful sometimes don't look the way we think or come from the people that we think it's going to come from. Rise and go your way, Jesus says. Your faith has made you well. So what are the markers of this faith? This faith that can make him healed not only from his leprosy, but also something from the inside out. The first thing that I see in the Samaritan's faith is a curiosity. The Samaritan is curious. He's noticing and attending to what's just below the agenda of the day. It's not all about just going to see the priest. It's not all about just following what he's supposed to do or reconnecting with his family. There's something a little lower. And when he gets connected to that, then, then he knows what he needs to do. There's something that maybe his difference and his suffering invites us to think about. How are we engaging with curiosity in our lives as we go throughout our day? Or are we just going from thing to thing to thing, doing what we're supposed to do? But curiosity of spirit can take us a little deeper. We can choose when, when life throws us a curveball to be resentful. We can choose to resist the change, but curiosity gets us farther. Curiosity can get us into gratitude. At our Bible study on Wednesday morning at the Sequoias, I invited everyone to just sit and think with, about what they were grateful for. Now, I'm not a person that has a practice of gratitude. I don't keep a gratitude journal, um, and I'm, I'm kind of one of those people that focuses on either what I need to do or or all the ways that things have not gone the way that they were supposed to yet today. And so I was surprised to just sit there in gratitude for a few minutes and to find how many things I had to be grateful for in the first five hours of my day. There were other things to do for these nine out of ten people to go reunite with their families, to go fulfill their ritual obligations, to go pick up the pieces of their lives. There were things not to be grateful for. They had been ostracized. They had lost months and maybe years of their life. And yet, this man starts with gratitude. Gratitude is something that keeps us soft. Gratitude keeps us open. And gratitude leads us into the third thing that I think we see in this man's faith, which is connection. His healing was not just about him. He didn't just get what he wanted and, and go on with the rest of his life. Instead, he realized and he saw through his curiosity and his gratitude that the, he was connected even to Jesus, connected to go back and speak with him. Our lives tend so often to disconnection. 
But this story invites us back into community and into relationship with those who we love and those who are most like us, but also those who may be a little different. Those who we may not think fit into our, our definition of, of who is orthodox or who is right or who is accepted or who is an authority. The story invites us to be curious, to be grateful, and to be connected with those people as well. Sister Helen Prejean recently wrote a book uh, called The River of Fire about her journey. It's an autobiographical book of, of how she went from being a rule-following nun, just wanting to be a mystic, into being one of our country's leading advocates uh, to abolish the death penalty. And she tells the story of how she became friends with Patrick Sonnier, a man who was on death row. She said she had already kind of answered a call to uh, be involved in social justice, and she was living in the projects in New Orleans, and someone approached her and just said, would you be willing to write to someone on death row? And she said, yeah, sure, I'll write to somebody. It's just a few letters here and there. And then over time, this man asked her to be his spiritual advisor. And what she said, sure, I'll be your spiritual advisor not realizing that it's only the spiritual advisor that is allowed to be with someone when they are executed. And so she went from, sure, I will write a letter to being with this man two and a half years later as the state was executing him. And she says she got into this because of what she calls sneaky Jesus. <laughs> sneaky Jesus, who just said, just write a letter. Sneaky Jesus who said this man might need a visit. Sneaky Jesus who said, now sit with him and watch him and look in his eyes as he dies. She says, sneaky Jesus invites us to yeses that blossom into more love. And she says, grace began to build up inside of her, which I love. So you see how this curiosity and a sense of gratitude and connection begin to allow grace to build up inside of us she says if god truly is love then the deeper i love the more i know god and so we are also invited to keep responding to the invitations of love to keep opening when you have doors to choose between love and resentment between separation and indifference and connection to choose love to choose the connection to choose the gratitude to choose curiosity to choose faith carrie showed us that beautiful photo of the redwoods and their roots all connected down underneath and indeed these redwoods remind us that each of us can grow strong and big and tall as individuals and yet at the same time, we grow best when we're also in community. They model to us this paradox of, of the strength of our individual and the importance of our individual choices in our individual lives, and yet the essential nature of accompanying each other through life. Mark Nepo says, this brings us to the work of reverence. 
to solve our darkness by blossoming and to solve our loneliness by loving everything. How do we live in the paradox and the complexities of our lives and yet dwell in the richness and possibilities of community? This is what we are always exploring here at Valley Presbyterian Church, always seeking to be curious and grateful and connected so that we may live together through the seasons of our lives and find that blossoming, that flourishing, and to be the presence of love in the world. Amen.